This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Shouldn't you be at work? And Love. Oh, and Love, he's got a real chance now. Peter and Love. John Walk will take the penalty. Up goes Dion Dublin. Unknown goal from Ruddock. Ball might break here for Kiwabia. Panister and Bruce in the queue again. Bruce scores. Goal leg. Hit leg. Hit leg over the top. It's it now. Now, you know him better than anybody, probably. Do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes. Oh, and he has it. No. Hello and welcome to Quickly Kevin, Will He Score? I'm Chris Gold, joining me Josh Widdicombe. Hello. And the main man, Michael Marden. Hello. Now, we're returning at the end of October for Quickly Kevin Season 4 proper, but we're going to drop in now, much as we did with the World Cup specials, a few pre-season tour episodes very excited we love the world cup episodes and we felt we're building the new season now uh, the series four we've got some great guests but we just wanted to keep our hand in there's been too much happening in the world of 90s football for us not to show our faces (laughs) but you can't just turn up first day of season four without without any kind of training this isn't though pre-season training this is going to be really good that (laughs) makes it sound like we're going to be rubbish yeah we're not phoning it in somewhere and the Algarve it's like yeah. this, this really counts this is good so yeah. what we're going to do in the World Cup we loved creating our dream teams of our favourite players not the best players our favourite players so we thought uh, from the World Cup so we thought we'd broaden that out create our favourite team of the 90s over the next five days the next five episodes and also on top of that we have correspondence which has been kicking off we've got so much to get through that we thought we'd try and get through a lot of it before the series starts, before our inbox fills up and we don't get to it. And also, uh, if you're not aware, um, we are doing our two biggest, by a distance, live shows. We are playing the Hackney Empire on November the 7th and November the 8th. So uh, as a special kind of uh, trailer for that, we have, um, on each episode, we will be playing a clip of our old live shows, uh, exclusive, but of course it's exclusive to us, no one else has tried to buy the rights to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, shall we get on with correspondence? I'm Jim Rosenthal, and this is the Electronic Post Bag. 
You've got mail. So, we've had so much great correspondence. I don't think we're going to get through all the things I want to read out this week. So we will do some more in the series. Particularly, we're holding back the first episode of next series. I don't think it uh, will ruin the surprise to say that we've been sent a CD of Desline and reading poetry. <laughs> now, we haven't listened to this because we wanted to listen to it first live on the show. So that will be what we will get to at the start of next series. But there's loads of good stuff to get through. So shall we start with this? This is from Michael Shanahan, and it's called 90s Footballer Story. Yes, please. Pricked our interest <laughs> with the title. Hi, guys. Love the podcast. Way back in 1997... Nintendo released their first soccer sim to appear on the N64, FIFA 64. Virgin Megastore in Sutton was celebrating the game's release by advertising Trevor Sinclair to be in the store on launch day. My brother and I happened to be on the high street on the day, so we waited around to go and meet Trevor. To everyone else's disappointment, and to me and my brother's absolute joy, Virgin Megastore had advertised the wrong Sinclair. <laughs> Not Frank. Not Clive Sinclair. Not only did we get... <laughs> It was, in fact, Chelsea legend Frank Sinclair as their special <laughs> guest. <laughs> Can you imagine? The confusion. <laughs> Where, where's the admin error happened there? Like, who's... I think someone who's into football enough to know both yeah. has absentmindedly written the wrong name. Right. I don't think you'd know enough to, to go, no, the guy's called Trevor Sinclair, right? Do you yeah. think? What do you think? <laughs> well, they're both represented by the same agent. <laughs> He's rang him up. He's like, we want Sinclair. And I think, <laughs> they can't mean Trevor Sinclair. For an N64 games release, they want Trevor Sinclair. They'll never get it. They couldn't be asking for Trevor. They must be referring to Frank. Um, so as Chelsea fans, me and my brother were elated. Not only did we get Frank's autograph, but we were pitted against each other playing FIFA 64 with the winner playing Frank Sinclair no, at the game. Wow. My brother beat me and went on to beat Frank Sinclair 1-0 in FIFA 64. Frank was awful. I'd have beaten him 3-0. So that's basically the story. That's an astonishing that's story, incredible. isn't it? <laughs> what I also should draw attention to is, throughout it, he's capitalised the names Trevor Sinclair and Frank Sinclair every time they come up. <laughs> just, just in case you get confused. Yeah. Do you think Frank ever found out the mistake? Do you think he turned up and saw it? Or do you think he probably walked in, didn't see the sign? and well, then who, the... was, who was Sinclair... Frank, sorry, Trevor, I'm doing it now. Who was Trevor playing for at that time? QPR, QPR, maybe? presumably, yeah. So when he goes there to the store and there's a whole line of people wearing QPR shirts, I bet Frank's just like, oh, not again. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think anyone got an autograph and still didn't know that it wasn't Trevor Sinclair? <laughs> if Frank Sinclair turned up and presumably you'd, you'd make yourself known to the people at like the cashier's desk or yeah. whatever... They're going to go, you're going to go up and go, hi, I'm Frank Sinclair. And then go, okay. (laughs) How can I help? Good for you. Yeah. Well done. (laughs) Do you want to buy an album? Like, how does it work? I'm here for the signing. Okay, well, if you queue up over there. You're here to meet Trevor Sinclair. Yeah, you're here to meet Trevor Sinclair. (laughs) You should tell him about your surname. It's a small world. (laughs) So that's the kind of level of correspondence that we... We should not be, you know, saving for three months down the line. Yeah. That's partly why we're doing these episodes. Do you want one more? Yes, on, please. Well, if anybody else has played any kind of 90s video game console with a 90s Oh, football, yeah, exactly. You know, Sorry, I have forgot you played... that's how this works. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> we're all a bit rusty. If you played Goldeneye with Dennis Irwin, just let us know. <laughs> right, this is from Jamie Shoesmith. Hi, chaps, love the series. Can't wait for the new series. Surprising the little details you miss sometimes. I honestly believe in a few years' time, 
you'll have a new segment called Do I Remember? Do I Remember This Right? Right. <laughs> Speaking of the little details of Do I Remember This Right? Something popped into my head the other day and it's been itching me ever since. I distinctly remember there being a big feature in either Match or Shoot Annual, probably the former, from around the mid-90s, which was titled Match 2020. It was a creative imagining of what the magazine and football would be like in 20 years' time. It was a good four or five page spread in 90s futuristic graphic design, along with some pretty outlandish foretellings of what would become of the game. The only details I can remember was that Sky had bought out the Premiership and turned it into a 10-team league, among which balding Jody Morris was manager of London United, <laughs> a merger of Arsenal, Chelsea, Spurs and West Ham. One pretty impressive Nostradamus moment, however, is they predicted the rise of ladies' football and went as far as saying in 2020 the Premier League would allow players of both sexes to compete and even have men and women mixed into the same teams. The pretty progressive claim was dampened slightly by running an interview with two superstars who'd broken into the league, Rabina Fowler and Stephanie McManaman. (laughs) (laughs) Why in this vision have they decided to just make Jodie Morris ball? What a strange dig. So those female players, was there any relation to... Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, Rabina Fowler and Stephanie McManaman, daughters of the two Liverpool stars, which were helpfully illustrated by Messrs. Robbie and Steve with badly photoshopped long feminine hairstyles. <laughs> <laughs> so, do I remember the details of this right? And more importantly, were there any other details of the feature that I've forgotten about? All the best, Jamie Shoesmith. Lovely. Wow. I'd love to know if, if that feature, did, if anyone has got, because if it's in an annual. Like, if it was in a magazine, you'd yeah, go there, no you're not going to track that. Yeah. If it's in an annual, there's a really good chance that people are going to be able to track that down. Yeah. And just, I'm just fact-checking whether Jody Morris is about to be bald in 2020. Got a picture of him here and he's, he's playing. He is. He's yeah. on the turn there. But here's a more recent one as a coach. Full Ooh. head of hair. Oh, oh wait a minute. There's no, something I think that's gone on with Jody Morris. No, I think he's hair. just got longer hair. I don't in know. the same style. He's done a that's bit. That's thicker. He's got thicker hair now than he's playing. I think... Until recently, he was under Conte at Chelsea. I think he's he slipped him, he slipped <laughs> him a phone number. We need a full stewards inquiry into Jody Morris's hair. Let us know what you think. Right. So, if you've got any correspondence, this is how to get in touch. Get in touch with the show. Email hello at quicklykevin.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at quicklykevin, and sign up to the mailing list at quicklykevin.com. Right, now we build a clip from our live shows. We've done three live shows so far. Three of the best nights of your lives, Chris? Easily. Yeah. It's up there. Up there. Better than your wedding? <laughs> definitely in the, yeah, definitely better than my wedding. No, can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> staying in. Sophie doesn't listen, does she? <laughs> no, she doesn't, no. <laughs> so yeah, fine, better than my wedding. <laughs> Uh, Michael, what clip have you got for us today? So in this episode, we have got a clip from when uh, Alex Brooker joined us in London. You may know him as the second best one from the last leg. Please welcome Arsenal fan Alex Brooker! (laughs) Did, Did I hear somebody boo? I hope that's Arsenal and not a disabled fist. <laughs> <laughs> Been a moth, mate. Hodder was right. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> him. <laughs> I don't need this in my life. <laughs> I think you were someone who thought the second best man on the last leg was Adam Hill. <laughs> now, Alex, Arsenal fan? Yes, mate. 
We uh, got an email, which is our favourite email we've ever received, about Anders Limpar. Were you a fan of Anders Limpar? He was, he was decent, yeah. He was good for like one season. He was absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, okay. Well, that's fair enough. Well, this is unbelievable. Well, this might change your mind. The email's from Oscar Stenman. Hello, Swedish listener here. You briefly mentioned Anders Limpar's Stockholm bar, the Limp Bar, earlier. <laughs> and I wanted to share another nugget from his past. Back in 96, he featured on the Swedish candid camera show Blastningen. Right, Alex, would you like to have a guess what prank they would have played on a Swedish candid camera show? Well, I tell you what. I'm, we'll st I'm still getting over the fact he had a bar called the Limp Bar. <laughs> <laughs> You'd enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> Never have to buy a drink. <laughs> That's me entry, mate. <laughs> um, <laughs> he had a bar called the Limp Bar in Stockholm. Okay, so is it the. Is the prank to do no. that? No. Okay, carry on. In the show, Limpar was fooled to believe that he had travelled two years forward in time. Stop! <laughs> <laughs> Chris, was... you're going to... Chris, you, you'll have to go a bit more slowly as people take this kind of thing in. <laughs> so he was fooled <laughs> to believe... How was he fooled into believing he'd time travelled? The setup was easy. <laughs> Limpar got on a small domestic flight to Stockholm. With him on the plane were two scientists who start talking to him about their research on time travel. One of them pulls out a time travel machine and attempts to demonstrate it. At this point, the pilot performs a sharp dive to simulate time travel. Fighter jets then accompany the plane to the airport in Stockholm, where they were greeted by a welcome ceremony. Limpar is then led to believe that he has, in fact, travelled two years forward in time. He is then told a bunch of stuff, including that Norway won the World Cup in France 98. <laughs> This was the most expensive prank in the history of the TV show, and the fact he truly believed he had travelled in time has haunted Limpar since. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> wow. Has <laughs> anyone here Swedish? No. Tough crap. We found the uh, video online of, um, of it, but it's, we were going to show it's very boring, because it turns out it's actually not that funny, because it's in Swedish. Um... <laughs> If you, if you know anyone who's Swedish, um, they'll enjoy it. <laughs> so but it's genuinely he, true. Doesn't he absolutely like, shit himself when the plane... You've seen it, Michael. How would you describe it? They get out of this machine, and then as they do, they sort of simulate the plane getting hit by lightning, and then the pilots dive, so it sort of feels like something's happened. But my favourite detail is whilst he's in the air, they take his wife into film and stage makeup, and they age her, and give her a, like, <laughs> different hair. And... I, I can't tell because it's in Swedish, but I think they had a puppy, like a small dog, when he went in. So they got the same breed of dog. Which <laughs> <is the picture. laughs> I, I, I read an interview with Anders Limpar where he said that towards the end, playing under George Graham was like being in Iraq under Saddam Hussein. <laughs> I can't help but feel the Iraqis people's problem with Saddam Hussein wasn't trying to make them track back. <laughs> <laughs> it was just an very different issues. Well, if you enjoyed that little clip, you can come see our brand new live show at the Hackney Empire, 7th and 8th of November. Tickets are available on the Hackney Empire website. Just give Hackney Empire, quickly Kevin, a Google and you will find the link. Right, now, Michael, 
What is the point of these shows? <laughs> so, as discussed earlier, we enjoyed the World Cup episode so much, in particular building our favourite, not best, favourite uh, starting 11 from 90s World Cup. So for these episodes, we're going to build our favourite 11 from 90s footballers. And today's episode, we are going to start with managers. So, who would like to go first and pick their favourite <coughs> manager of the 90s? Uh, Josh, I think you should go first. Do you think I should put my favourite manager of the 90s? Yeah. Okay. I considered Neil Warnock, who uh, obviously you are aware his crowning achievement was getting Plymouth promoted in 1996 via the playoffs at Wembley. If you uh, want more context on the season, read Neil Warnock's Wembley Way, uh, his diary of the season, in which we lost our first five games, Chris. So We're West Ham need hit. not despair. <laughs> All we need to do now is get Warnock in to uh, steer the ship. Uh, one of the big changes he made at the club, he changed the players running on to simply the best. <laughs> Which he said he's done. In the book, he says he did that every club that he's been at, is he changes the run on music to simply. Do you know what the music was before that? Oh, it's what our traditional music is a a thing called Semper Fidelis that's like a kind of orchestral thing. Right. I'm not sure what it is, but I've heard it used by the American military on like films when they're bringing like generals off planes. Is that because Plymouth is a sort of military. City or well, it's not heavily involved in the American movement. No. I don't know. I, I don't know. Neil Warnock, who came to prominence when he was the Notts County manager, he got Notts County into the Premier League and they had quite a good cut run. He was basically people hate him, but I don't understand why. He's he, is he not? Is he not a great character? I, I like. I do like him. He's got a reputation. Do you know what his nickname is? Col- yeah, Colin. Because if yeah. you extract those letters from his name, you're left with an anagram of wanker. Yes. <laughs> But I don't think you could hold that against someone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think a no, but it, I think he's a bit of a Dennis Wise, Robbie Savage character. You know, if he's on your team and he's winding everybody up, you love him. But if you, if you're another club, I've, I've always him had a fondness for him. I have, mm-hmm. and also because I remember when he was Notts County manager. I don't know why. You know, when you remember those little clips like from Football Focus or something. I remember like him playing a snowy game and like. They, he took the team sledging rather than went training, that kind of thing. Yeah. What, what I love winding up batsmen. Lovely <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> business. Um, but that's the kind of manager I want at a football club. He's a yeah. character. Yeah. But I'm not going to go with Neil Warnock because I'm going to go with a man who I don't think gets enough press. The first foreign manager ever in England's top division. Arsene Wenger? No. Christian Gross? No. Dr. Joseph Englosh. Why is he a doctor? I've got no idea. So I looked into Dr. Joseph Englosh, who also is not the name for a manager. It should be like the evil Nazi from an Indiana Jones film or something <laughs> with that name. But he was he replaced Graham Taylor to be England manager. Yeah. So Aston Villa hired Dr. Joseph Englosh, who yeah. just been manager of Czechoslovakia and like Sparta Prague and people. Well, didn't they they hired him off the back of Italian ninety, didn't they? Because yeah, but Villa had finished second. The year before, so yeah, he was, he was walking into a, a pretty big job. Yeah, and they uh, ended up uh, second from two points above relegation, two places above relegation. Did he last the season? Yeah, he lasted the season. But his, I'll read you his eighties. So he started as manager of Czechoslovakia, then he went to Sporting Lisbon. Eighty-five to eighty-seven, he did Koala Lumpur. <laughs> Eighty-six, eighty-seven, Malaysia. Then back to Czechoslovakia. Then Aston Villa hired him. Right. Are you looking at his Wikipedia? Yeah. Is there anything about him running dodgy experiments? <laughs> <laughs> well, he played Gordon Cowan's on the wing. But <laughs> I wouldn't say it. Yeah. The training camp was in a disused volcano somewhere <laughs> off the coast. Also, 
He holds, uh, from his Wikipedia, I always like uh, cultural references. He's one of the many footballers, and I would implore all fans of Quickly Kevin to listen to the full-back catalogue of Half Man, Half Biscuit, one of the great indie bands of the 80s and 90s, who mention him in the song This One's For Now. Uh, they have, if you don't know Half Man, Half Biscuit, they were from, they're a big kind of John Peel indie band of the 80s. I imagine Pat Nevin's all over Half Man, Half Biscuit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're Tranmere fans, they're from uh, Liverpool or the Wirral, and they didn't play the tube uh, because it was Friday night and Tranmere played on Friday nights and they wanted to watch oh, Tranmere. lovely. But uh, in the lyrics to this one's for now, to give you an idea, they, they've got a song called All I Want For Christmas Is A Dulka Prague Awake It. They're big into their football references. <laughs> and I was looking at the lyrics to that song and I love the second line of that song. So the opening verse is, I linger and I gawp when the council dig a big hole and I cheer for a corner. I don't know why. They rarely lead to a goal. <laughs> Which I think is a great observation to put in the opening verse of a song. That is a love, and also way ahead of its time. I think this was quite a later album. But in that, they reference uh, Dr. Joseph Englosh. And right. I think he is the kind of person that needs more credit. So I'm, I'm only sort of aware of him because he's just a classic quiz question answer. Yeah. Like you said, the first foreign manager in the top flight. But like, what is there a sort of revisionist approach now where he was a, oh, no, no. ahead of I've his time? No, I've got no interest in that kind no. of thing. No. <laughs> no idea. Michael, who's your manager? Uh, so, ordinarily, my favourite manager would be Sir Alex Ferguson. But we all know... This is yeah. not what this no. show is about. Uh, and also, I wanted to limit the number of Manchester United choices yeah, in course. my team. So, my favourite manager, I have chosen uh, the first Swiss to manage in the Premier League. The Spurs legend, Christian yes. Gross. Yes. Lovely. Now, I think we all remember the main thing about Christian Gross. Yeah. And that was his very first press yeah. conference, which I remember seeing... I mean, my memory... I don't remember at the time. I've only seen it recently. I remember... I don't see it live, but I remember watching it within a day or so that it happened. And if you... You know when you see a, a ma- manager or anyone who does a press conference and you instantly make a decision about them like yeah. based on their persona, how they speak, all of that. Like, remember Mourinho's first one at Chelsea when he came on? He was like, I'm the special one. And you're like, fuck, this guy yeah. is, like, sexy. He's a winner. You just yeah. knew. When Christian Gross... <laughs> Turns up late. He turns up late because he comes. Oh, was he late? He was late because he comes straight from the airport uh, to his first press conference, and he holds up the the underground ticket and says, yeah. uh, "I want this to become my ticket to the dreams." Yeah. And I think the whole press room just laughed at him, and you were like, "This guy's in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> He's not lasting the year." This guy. He was basically hired because Arsenal had Arsene Wenger. That's exactly what happened. Right? Yeah, yeah. I think basically. I mean, Spurs fans will know this better, but like the Spurs team in the 90s was a bit of a shambles. And he was brought in because he was a taskmaster. Right. He was real into fitness. But basically, he had a, like a right-hand man who was this sort of fitness guru, possibly was an ex-military guy, who got refused a work permit. So oh. he couldn't bring him over with him. So basically, Gross was exposed as like a manager who didn't have his coach oh. with him. So he spent, I think, about nine months at Spurs. And the whole thing just really slowly... Unraveled. And I think he went. He was fine when he went back to Switzerland. He, did he went back well. to Basel, I think, because I remember Man United played them in the Champions League yeah. a few years later, and he rebuilt his reputation. But over here, I think he had like right. a thirty-three percent win ratio with Spurs. He didn't even last. Like he didn't last the whole calendar year, basically. I think he kept the underground card. I think he still got, <laughs> ah, he's got a scrapbook at home. Football trivia. Oh, do you think he football. bought an annual as well? How co- or a monthly? <laughs> <laughs> How confident was he? Yeah. What was the first game he stopped? <laughs> 
<laughs> and what was he thinking it? The defeat on the touchline, like 90 minutes, like to 3 0 down, thinking, I ain't getting the tubes. Yeah. <laughs> I ain't getting the tube home after this. So, which failing foreign manager in the Premier League have you gone for? Um, I've gone, I've just gone classic, Harry Redknapp. For me, the ultimate 90s manager. I think the thing we love about the 90s is it's largely freewheeling chaos. It hasn't yeah. settled into the rhythm of professionalism that the Premier League is now. And no one better represents that than Harry Redknapp. He's going out, he's buying guys on the strength of a videotape. I love buying things on the strength of a videotape. <laughs> yeah. But you the know trailer. what? They're always going on about watching videos now. Guardiola will be like... I've watched Fulham on video ten times. If you watch something on video in the nineties, you're considered an amateur. Yeah. <laughs> now it's considered the height of foreign sophistication. But to be fair, like video. Guardiola isn't watching ten minutes of uh, Fulham cut to like a Manic Street Preachers track <laughs> that makes everyone look brilliant. It's, it's proper data analysis. <laughs> yeah. So we bought Marco Bugas having got he paid 1.5 million for Marco Bugas having not seen him play but seen a video he was sent by the agent of him no. just smashing up like it was insane in the Dutch league and he signs him obviously he's, he's utter rubbish but there was like there's so many signings like this Florin Radachoy we bought yeah. you know with Paolo Futre but then again he's also got he brings in like the, the British grit talent like he made a great player out of Steve Lomas and like John Moncur do you like think Harry Redknapp's transfer record is a positive or a negative at West Ham? I think it's 52% positive. Which is enough, yeah, probably. which is fine. The other if thing, you have one hit, one miss on your transfer dealings, do you think that's high enough? I guess it depends think, what level you're at. And I think they really look at players' personalities now in a way that they didn't in the... Yeah. That wasn't a factor to consider, is this guy insane? Yeah. It's like... <laughs> Is, it, is the rest of the dressing room going to hate this guy? Like, who was the guy, the Oxford guy that West Ham signed? Joe they, signed they signed Joe, yeah, Joe yeah. Bo- or Beecham. Beecham. They signed him, and on his first day into training, he's living in Oxford, and he couldn't believe how long the commute was to, to training, and he handed his transfer request that day. Human. <laughs> yeah. that, 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 <laughs> like, that doesn't happen. We've he got was a bit of correspondence about a player leaving before a game that I'll read in the next episode. That is absolutely brilliant. <laughs> so, the, oh, the, the other, One other thing I love mm. about it. Do you remember Chemical Alley in the era? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. And he, he, had, he had such confidence that Iraq were going to win yeah, that yeah, war. Yeah. And he said... As the tanks, the American tanks are rolling into Baghdad behind him, he's going, there's nothing wrong here. It's totally fine. Yeah. Harry Redknapp, in the height of us in relegation battles every year, he would tell the players at the start of the season, we could win the league this year. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, we've got, you know, we've got good players in these positions. I think we can score goals like this. We were in relegation battles like four years in a row and he's still wow. telling the players at the start. What a man of confidence. That's kind of the one thing I admire about Trump. everything's going wrong around you and go this is going great yeah Yeah. if you pull up outside the White House you can get Trump in a car rolling down his window (laughs) so who's going to be your chief of staff this week Trump right that's three good options Dr. Joseph Venglosh um, Christian Gross or Harry Redknapp you can vote on our Twitter or on our Instagram or on our Facebook if you want to get in touch with the show email us hello at quicklykevin.com that's about it for today apart from one thing the quiz question. Shall I start us off? Yeah. Okay, so what I want, take it in turns. This is a good quiz question, this. The first year of the 90s is 1990. Yeah. Take it in turns. I want you to name any teams or players who won professional trophies and the trophy, i.e. who won the Italian League or who won the European Cup. Take it in turns until someone fails or gets one wrong. Michael, starts off with the winner of a trophy in 1990. Oh, God, when you're put on the spot. Uh, I'm going to go for uh, West Germany winning the World Cup. Correct. 
It's not as easy as you think, it's is not, it? It's not. Arsenal winning the league. Incorrect! Wait, I was, it? <laughs> it was Liverpool! Liverpool. What, ah, a, what a game! That. I mean, I thought that was going to last longer. <laughs> you could have had Liverpool win the league, Man U winning the FA Cup. Uh, yeah. I was going to go for AC Milan winning the European Cup. Yeah, I don't know if that's true. I was okay. just going to Google them when you said them. <laughs> Michael, as the winner, you get to do the quiz tomorrow and you get to pick a song to play us out. Do you have a song? Uh, Semper Fidelis. Yeah, why not? Okay. Chris. Lovely. We'll see you tomorrow. Robbie Slater, see you later. What's up? Who do you have to pick up, you? Who, is it fucking black and white or what? Who do you pick up, you? Let's go. And we last fucking two minutes. Can't you fucking get him in time it comes to take a fucking kick? Can you, can you not get to pick him up by the time he gets from there to there? Whoever's in the fucking box. You pick Lesko. If one of the other scores, I don't fucking blame you. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.